<laughs> Life is meant to be lived free, not caged. What do you do when you find yourself at the age of 33, your marriage is hanging on a thread, and you feel like you are a caged bird? You know deep within you, you want to fly, be free, but there are all these barricades, not erected by you, but certainly impacted by their presence. Now heads up, dear listener, here is my way of alerting you that this month of April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and Abuse Awareness Month. If you know anything about my story, then you know that this is near and dear to my heart in terms of the awareness part of it. But today's episode is a bit different because as we have entered this month of reflection and also awareness as well as letting victims and survivors of abuse out there know that there are organizations and there are people like me who are working to encourage healing and encourage freedom in their hearts. Bear me or bear with me uh, this month as we put some focus on this silent pandemic. It will be very, very sad in my story or very, very um, hypocritical of me to go this whole month without taking the time to do what I know I have been called to do, which is to help other women reclaim their hearts and mind and really, truly heal from these injustices. I remember sometime in 2021 or maybe 2022, but more so 2021 when I remember I posted something on Facebook about I am Free Woman's um, campaign for Domestic Violence Awareness Month and a dear family member of mine put in the comments like, oh, so you're a feminist now. And I sat on that comment because these are the ignorant, naive comments that we make about things that go on in people's lives and we don't often take the time to hear and understand why they are doing what they are doing. And so how did I respond when I was called a feminist? I don't even remember, but I think I probably said something to the effect of, yes, if it comes to fighting for women and making sure that women are free from these types of injustices, then yeah, sure, you can call me that. But that doesn't negate the fact that I am a Christian and I believe in God and I believe in biblical principles and all that. But there are certain things that happen to women that oftentimes society we frown on. And... Yes, I will talk about God, but even God does not love abuse. Now, some people out there will probably want to argue this thought, will probably want to argue this thing, but I'll say just read your Bible. Don't read, don't read it with your logical mind. Read it with the sensing of the Holy Spirit, and he will speak to you. So to understand the why, which is the purpose driving a person's life, you must do your best to also know and understand the what, which is the mission of that person's life. Everyone has a story, and this month, I get the privilege of promoting allyship and advocacy about this silent pandemic that unfortunately, most are silent about and most have experienced. A lot of my friends that I know, I know you, you probably have gone through it, but I don't know. And we sit around, we laugh and all that, but you're holding it so close to your heart, right? Because someone took something from you that they shouldn't have. And to this day, you can't figure out why your life is the way it is and why your heart is the way it is. So this is the episode that bears it all. The scars you don't see when abuse happens. So before you tune me out, I want you to hold on. 
Did the word abuse trigger a memory or a thought or a voice or an uncomfortable feeling in you? Yep. Most people get uncomfortable when they hear about this word abuse because it's kind of like, wow, that is so um, dark in quote of someone's story that we don't understand what to do or how to do what we need to do to help that person. And so oftentimes when people go through these moments in their lives, they are often quiet. You can hear about someone who has been through a divorce shouting it from the rooftop and celebrating. Sometimes people have divorce parties and that's also trauma, right? but they're able to get through it somehow, some way. You can hear about the person who is helpless and hopeless and in need of a child and they can talk so freely about it and pray to God and God will deliver whatever it is that they need, which is a child. But for some reason, when it comes to sexual abuse, domestic violence, abuse at the core, you know, we tend to shy away from talking about it because it is just heinous, right? It is ridiculous. It is, you don't understand it, why another human being would do that. But if I were to tell my whole story of sexual abuse, sexual assault, physical abuse, I would not be able to finish this episode because I would literally be crying throughout. And I'm not here to do that. <laughs> I'm not here to cry throughout the session. Now I might cry here and there, but I found it difficult actually uh, recording this episode. It took me a while. I was supposed to record it over the weekend on Sunday and every time I sat down to record, I would just close my laptop because it was hard. And even today, um, just hearing my kids' voices and stuff, I wanted them to be around me and I was like, I can't record, I can't record because the story is heavy. You know, the stories in between are heavy. And nobody wants to listen to an episode where someone is just talking about these things. I would want you to read my book to find out. So this episode, I'm not really going to dive into those deep hidden spaces in my heart where I know the faces of the people that hurt me. I know the voices of the people that hurt me. I still see and smell them. I still remember every single detail. I'm not going to put all those details here in this podcast. My job today is to talk about the scars that are unseen and the scars that are really, really deep-rooted in our hearts for those who have been through these types of crimes. And it's a crime because for someone like me, I never reported anybody. I never reported anybody, not even college, I never did. And those scars really just sat with me. And so, and by the way, I was also supposed to record this via video and I said, no, I'm not ready to record this via video because I want it to be as authentic and real as possible without me staring into a camera and all that. Not that I'm shy from doing that, but there's a time and a place. And when the time comes for me to tell that story via camera and video, I believe God is going to make that available. But for now, I can talk through this powerful microphone to you, dear sister, to you, young lady, to you, young woman out there, that you are not alone when it comes to these things happening to us. When it comes to these sexual crimes, you are not alone. Definitely, 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 I can relate. I can relate as far back as seven years old when I had to ward off someone in our house who was trying to do what he wanted to do with me at seven years old. I can relate to that college kid, college young woman who after holding on to your virginity for so long, within a twinkle of an eye was taken, was stolen. I can relate to 
people who would come to your father's house wanting to do things to you and pull you and drag you and 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 pull and, and just sorts of things sorts of things I can relate to a lot and the scars the scars are deep the scars are very very deep and while the wounds have healed and the joy has settled into the heart the scars remain the scars don't go away they fade but they don't go away and so you get to choose to remember what you want to choose to remember because the scars remain so yes Kate could laugh right <laughs> and I'm filled with joy but somewhere in my heart in those secret places when I sit in front of God and I talk to him about what has happened to me and the things that I'm still healing from only God knows how much it hurts sometimes and how much those scars from the things that were done to you still remain and they do in the depths of my heart they do sometimes so when I talk about the scars that are unseen the physical scars I want to start with the bruises these are the things that you don't see right because it's covered the bruises that remain as a result of whatever you go through yes there are bruises that turn into scars that become a reminder a badge sometimes of what was done to you you become so sensitive to touch and so oftentimes some people will say why don't you like hugging people because it reminds you of what was stolen and what was taken from you and so you don't like it but society might make it seem as if you're weird for not hugging people but they don't know that there's a scar that they cannot see when something like this happens to you something is taken that you cannot get back you cannot get back like someone feels like they have a right to do that to you and so they did and then there is the mental scar one of the worst I have been through so much when it comes to mental scars mental scars are the worst because in the depths of what I went through when I was growing up there was a time in a day yes a time in a day that suicide became an option and I remember in my therapy class recently when we were talking about grief and loss and I had to recount these stories it was hard but that was the first time that I had ever ever admitted to anyone more so a class of about what 20 something more than 20 something because it was two cohorts in one that I had to admit that I at some point in my teenage years wanted to take my life yes and these are the mental scars that are left behind as a result of abuse sexual abuse and those are the dark moments those spaces and those times in a woman's life a young girl's life and sometimes now you see that boys and men these are the dark spaces in our hearts in our minds that we sit with and we wrestle with and when I was young I could never understand why so I wanted to just end it between the 
sexual abuse and the physical abuse, my mind was a mess. It was a mess, absolutely a mess. And those scars, if you're listening to this and you know my family, you will think that, wow. But those are the scars that you would never see growing up in that area, growing up amongst a lot of people that would come to the house and would laugh and all that. But they did not see the scars because they were hidden. Those are the scars that I had this dress, used to call it my depression outfit, my depression dress that I would wear was a long brown dress. <laughs> Reminds me of Mordecai in, in the Bible. It was a long brown dress that I would often wear because I was a very depressed child. Very, very depressed. And so when someone sees my joy today, it's because if I don't have joy, I don't know what else I have. And because God says that the joy of the Lord is my strength, he took away that depression. He healed it and he replaced it with joy. So much joy. Because when I think back to that young girl at that age, wearing that outfit every day because I did not want to be seen because nobody saw me. I did not want to be heard because nobody heard me. I did not want to be known because nobody knew me. It was hard. Those are the mental scars that you don't see, but I often wrestled with. The mental scars of fear, shame, filth, trust issues, twisted understanding of love. Oh, what is love? Because you don't know what love is. Is love sex? Is love just my body? Right? Those are the mental scars that remain with us. And there are a lot of you out there that more probably are listening to me through these tears. And you know what I'm talking about. You understand. There are a lot of families out there with young girls going through this and you don't want to see it. You don't want to hear it. Because tradition says and taboo says and culture says and religion says. And so you turn a blind eye to the suffering of your own daughter, to the suffering of your own sister, to the suffering of your own friend because you don't want to see it. But you can't see it though because the scars are hidden behind the smiles behind the fake laughter behind the pretenses behind the gluttony they are hidden because you don't want to see it and if you see it you refuse to accept that something like that has happened so you give excuses and you blame the person you blame the victim for what they are telling you or for what they are trying to say, for what they've gone through, you blame them. And so they recoil and the scars remain hidden. The mental scars are heavy and it causes us to think and think and think and think until you can't think no more. It causes some of us to detest the idea of a penis. And I once did. I have a whole book entitled Penis Chronicles because I detested the idea of a man. 
You know where I'm going with that. I detested the idea of sleeping with a man. Because what is a man who can do that to a woman? See your body and it is like food, right? Those are the mental scars that remain. Then there are the emotional scars. Emotional scars of you not knowing how to love. And so for me, when I got married, I didn't know how to love my husband. And then when I had my daughter, I didn't know how to love her. I didn't want my daughter, Kennedy, to touch me or to come close to me. I remember I experienced the worst postpartum depression. And oftentimes people will ask me, even family members, when are you going to give birth to Kennedy's sibling? When are you going to give birth to Kennedy's sibling? The scars unseen, the scars that remain, the remnants of abuse travels deep into the psyche of a person, of a woman, of a girl. That when we are asking all these questions, we don't know what we don't know. Because postpartum depression was so real in my life. All because I didn't know who I was. I felt unworthy. I felt unloved. I felt unseen. All those things. The emotional scars run so deep. The insignificance that you feel for not being seen, for not being known, for not being heard, for not being embraced, for not being accepted. And so you go through relationships with your heart so cold because something was taken from you. At far, as far back as age seven, when I closed my eyes, I remember fighting him off, fighting him off, fighting him off because he was going to take it and I wouldn't let him. And so now when you look at relationships, you're like, nobody protected me. Nobody protected me. From that age all through college, you remember nobody protected you. So you have to protect yourself, Kate. You have to protect yourself. You have to find a way to protect yourself. And one of the ways to do that is to build up your defenses. The wall will be as thick a steel and you know you have all these barricades around your heart because you don't want anyone to get close those are the scars that are unseen and I know I'm not the only one out there but somewhere along the journey something beautiful happens to you where you are confronted with yourself when you look in the mirror and you have a decision to make Am I going to let these scars define who I become? Or am I going to let these scars remain what they are, but I choose to let who I am be louder than what I see? And so the journey of healing for me was a very, very <laughs> emotional, taxing one. And my story does not involve therapists. It does not involve counselors. It does not involve pastors. It does not involve any third party. My story of healing is one that I call very miraculous. It is one where at the point of my mental breakdown, which now I know was a serious case of panic attack in 2016, summertime 2016. 
I found myself in a dark space somewhere in downtown Atlanta where I needed to figure out how to get home to pick up my daughter from school. But I couldn't because I was crippled by a very, very sudden onset of panic attack. That was the beginning of my journey to healing. The deliverance happened that day where I had to really, within a flash, replay all the single, every single abuse that I had ever gone through. It was like the Holy Spirit decided to show me everything at once. And it was very, very scary. There was no therapist. There was only one therapist, the Holy Spirit. Every morning leading up, on, leading up to that day, when I'm going to work, I would be playing a song, actually the whole album of Ty Trippett. Someday I hope to meet him. His CD titled The Fresh had just come out. It's a blue cover, blue and white cover, fresh. And I'll play that whole CD to work and back. And so that day when that panic attack was happening, all I could hear was Ty Trippett in my head. And I remember I sat in that parking garage in the driver's seat, rocking back and forth and just saying to myself, help me, help me, help me. How I got to my daughter's school and how I got home to this day, I don't remember. But I know it was the Holy Spirit that took me there. The Holy Spirit that brought me home. Because all the way to my daughter's school, I kept saying, I am free. I am free. I am free. That day in that parking lot, something happened. And the Holy Spirit set me free. There was no therapist, no counselor, no long process. But that was because prior to this panic attack, every morning... In 2016, between February and July, I would wake up at 4 a.m. and go downstairs to our living room with my Bible and allow God to work on my heart. Now, what you don't know, what you're not hearing in this story is what happened in February was I looked at my husband and I didn't know him. I didn't love him. I didn't know myself. I didn't love myself. Those are the scars of abuse that you don't see. That you've been married for seven years and you really, really don't know what love is. You really don't know what sex is. You really don't know what your body is about. And so you wake up one day on your anniversary and you're figuring out what to do. And so you call it the seventh year itch. And it's either you heal because you have this baby or you don't heal and you suffer in a cage. And I refused to suffer in a cage because I had known what it was like to suffer without God. And I was ready to taste what it meant to suffer with him. And so I said yes to figuring out this walk with God. And I did. So every morning, 4 a.m., he will wake me up and it will be our time. Before I went to the gym at 5 a.m., I would do that. 
hours and hours of journal entries, hours and hours and hours of just reading the Bible. But there was one part of the Bible that God kept me there. And that was Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. And it is my life to this day. Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in particular because it talks about the spirit and the flesh. And at some point on that day, I needed the spirit. I was tired of the flesh. My flesh was not helping me. My heart was a stone and rocky and built with so much trusting to a fault and trusting to a degree and just all these walls around my heart. They needed to come down fast, fast. And so I chose to allow the Holy Spirit to work in it. My healing journey to freedom is very, very unorthodox. I mean, it's it's unreal. When I try to explain it to people, they don't they look at me and they're like, "Wow." But that's what it was. It was a healing that was meant to happen because I know that the hand of God has been placed upon me, and I had to stop running and I had to start embracing that process. There are a lot of things that happened that I have I'm not going to get into because they are too much and I'll just have to put it somewhere of course the stories the books all that but the healing journey for you dear sister if you're recovering or if you're healing from abuse will be a lifelong quest of retooling refinement and retraining of your mind of your body of your soul of your spirit your body will say one thing and your soul will say another and they will be in conflict your soul will be on a journey and your spirit will be waiting to reconnect always in conflict until you come to a place where you surrender it all you will still be in conflict because in my healing journey I had to really come to this space of trying to remember what was taken from me and what was taken from me was innocence my voice was taken and what wouldn't I get back I wouldn't get back that innocence now I have a voice but it took years, dear sister, it took years of reclaiming this voice and nobody is taking it away from me ever again. Yep. The healing process is very, very beautiful, but very, very painful. The number one thing that I will say about healing when it comes to abuse, when it comes to trauma, is that you have to be ready for the journey to go on the journey. If you're not ready for the journey to go on the journey, it's going to be a very, very, very long process for you. And if you're going through a clinical route for your clinician, for your therapist, for your counselor, if you're going through the biblical route for the pastor, for the minister, for whoever is counseling you. Now, if you're going through an integrated approach, which is what I do now is helping women through biblical words and also biblical principles, as well as clinical interventions then you get both. You get to use the pr biblical principles and you also get to use the clinical interventions. I had the pleasure of going through the biblical route, which is the Holy Spirit literally healing me from that cage I was in. 
there are some practical ways that you can heal. The number one thing that I will say is write. Write, write, write. How I got my healing was through the Holy Spirit asking me to write my story. Don't leave anything out, Kate. Just write it all. If you have to call your mother, if you have to ask questions, call and ask questions. But just write. Write your story. And so that's my number one tip that I'll give you is writing is a powerful healing tool that you need to adopt. Also, I want you to draw from your faith and trusted people. At that time in 2016, I didn't have anybody, really, honestly. I was alone. I felt very alone. But I did the work. That did not stop me because, you see, what you see today is the fruit of something that happened in those lonely, solitude places in my heart and in the presence of God. Also, I want you to do the work. Do the work, dear sister. Don't be shy. Don't be, it's going to be painful, but do the work. Find someone, find someone that you know God is calling you to help you do the work and you do the work. However long it takes, as you could hear from my story today, I have cried quite a bit because there are certain parts of my story that still hurts. <laughs> they hurt when I think about how someone can do that to another person. There are still parts of my story that I haven't admitted to you and I won't because it's something that God hasn't given me the grace to share. There are certain parts of my story that probably I'll never get to share. Who knows? There are certain parts of my story that required forgiveness. And I want to talk about that. In order for me to be free, in order for me to go where God wanted me to go, the number one thing that I had to do, ultimately, for me to experience and be delivered into freedom, is I had to forgive. I quite remember the very first time that the guy who raped me in college sent me a message on Facebook. I remember I looked at it and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you have to forgive him. I said, what? He said, you have to forgive him. And so I remember I replied to him and I said, I forgive you. Please don't reach out to me anymore. And I did. And one by one, I had to forgive all my abusers. The physical abuser, the sexual abuser, I had to forgive all of them because they were plenty. Yes. If you knew me as a little girl in the family that I grew up in, you would be like, what? But that's not your story. It's my story. That's not your experience. It's my experience. And for some reason, right, all things work together for those who love the Lord. Yes. It works to work together for our good. And I did not see it then, but I see it now. That now he's doing something good. Even now, he's doing something good. To heal, you must get to those hidden spaces of your heart and let the light in. And you do this by acknowledging, just acknowledge that it happened to you. It's okay. It's okay. Pick up a journal, dear sister, and acknowledge those hidden spaces. It happened. It's okay. Appreciate your story. I had to learn to appreciate my story because if I didn't, nobody else would. Huh. Everybody's busy worrying about themselves, y'all. Nobody would appreciate my story. So I had to find a way to appreciate the totality of my story. You know, 
whatever I went through in my childhood, in my father's house, whatever I went through in college, whatever I went through, wherever I was and whatever abuse I went through, I had to learn to appreciate the totality of that story because there is something called resilience and that's what's made me me today. To be able to go down and keep bouncing back up. That resilience of Holy Spirit moments where I was able to look at myself in the mirror and said, no, Kate, you're not going to do that. You're going to go this way. You're not going to stay here. You're going to go that way. It took appreciating my story for God to be able to appreciate and elevate where he wants me to be. You have to accept that this happened to you. It's okay. Accept it. When you're fighting it, it's just messing up your peace. Accept that this happened to you and it's okay. Now, one thing that I want to talk about here, the as I'm coming to a close is, I want to touch on the concept of sex. In her, in her workbook, The Courage to Heal, author Laura Davies says this about sex and the abuse victim. Healing sexually is about integrating our attention, our feelings, and our bodies all at the same time. For those who follow me on Instagram and for those who know me, ever wondered why I love to move my body, even in the gym when no one is watching? <laughs> it's because that's how I learned to love my body. At some point, I was promiscuous with myself because I wanted to pay back every single guy that I felt was a representation of all the penises that had hit me, all that had hurt me. And at some point, it was not okay. At some point, I had to let it be what it is. And so to begin healing sexually, I had to also learn to embrace and accept my body. And you're in a marriage with your wife and your wife is finding it difficult sleeping with you and you're roughing them up and you're accusing them and all that. The scars you don't see. There's a reason. There's a context. I'm not sure if you're ready for that context. And if you're the woman, I'm not sure if you're ready to acknowledge, to appreciate and to accept your story. Because there's true freedom. When you forgive, when you forgive yourself, there's true freedom when you allow things to be how they are with you. <sighs> to reclaim everything, to reclaim your heart, and this is what I want to leave you with, dear sister. To reclaim your heart, to reclaim your voice, I'm giving you a three short process. And yes, I will be holding a workshop and I will be inviting everybody to that workshop for those who know somebody who knows somebody. Because I believe it is time for us to heal our hearts and our minds when it comes to abuse, when it comes to verbal abuse, when it comes to sexual abuse, when it comes to physical abuse, when it comes to psychological abuse, when it comes to emotional abuse. I believe it is time for women to heal and it is time for you to use your voice. Whatever microphone you have, use it. So this is my three-step process that I'm going to share with you briefly. And we get to go into a workshop on this sometime soon. First, I want you to grieve. I want you to grieve what you have lost, what has been taken from you. Release, relinquish, and reset. Then I want you to greet the new chapter and the next chapters. 
Here you're going to review, you're going to rewrite, you're going to rebuild, you're going to restore, you're going to renew. And then I want you to grace the future with hope, as much hope as you can. I want you to grace it. I want you to cling to it. And here you're reclaiming and refusing to be a victim ever again. You are a survivor. Wherever you are in this process, you are. And I hope that as you listen to me today, you got to understand the scars that are unseen when abuse happens. So when you see that woman, when you see that dear sister, when you see that little girl, there's a story behind the story behind the story. And there's a scar with a story behind it. That if only you knew, if only you knew, if only you knew. So this is my story. This is my song, praising my savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my savior all the day long. I was healed and I know you can too. I have been blessed and I know you're blessed too. I have been graced with this supernatural power from the Lord and I know there is some available to you. If you have tried anything and everything to heal and you're still not finding it, I want you to try God. Try him. Stay there. Open up. Let him work with you. Let him work within you. Let him work through you. Let him bring it out of you. Let it work in you. So, that long silence was me feeling the love of God because he has loved me and I know he can love you too. So if you have listened to me thus far, I just want to say thank you as we start and kick off Sexual Assault Awareness Month. The next few stories to come in these podcasts are going to be focused on healing. And I hope you will join and I hope you'll become an ally, an advocate, or an activist. Here's what I want to say. There are four ways in which we see people participating and partnering in these types of injustices. There's the bystander. The bystander is unaware, so they don't even notice or understand what's going on. The bystander is this. They don't act because they don't know how or why. Don't be a bystander. Be one of these three. An ally. An ally you assist and support in an ongoing effort, activity, or struggle. You are aware. So this is where we have awareness programs, right? You realize that there's something going on and you want to help. Now you can move from awareness to activating. That's why I am the chief joy activator. You move from awareness to activating. This is where you are proactively working for change. You aim to influence with formal support, acknowledging and utilizing your privilege to engage in controversial controversial situations on behalf of people who are marginalized. And then for those advanced levels, if you want to be an advocate to an activist, this is where your voice is capable of transforming society. Yep. And you act on behalf of solving social and other issues. So which one are you? Bystander, ally, advocate, activist. Find where you are. And wherever you are, know that you can go to the next level. So, dear sister, it is always a great time walking in my purpose of teaching and building others up in the ways of God. And my heart is so full, and I hope yours is too. 
as you have listened to me share my stories and share parts of me that are still healing, I hope you find the courage to do the same. So let's choose to be free. Let's choose to live free. Let's choose to stay free. Being faithfully renewed, encouraged, exceptional women and men of God. This is Kate, your Chief Joy Activator. Until next time, may God's goodness and mercy follow you always. And remember, healed people heal people. So I want you to go out there and heal someone today. I truly, truly love you because I know the God that I serve has been very gracious to me and he has loved me. So until next time, bye.